Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now the finale of Miss Marvel. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Miss Marvel, episode six, No Normal. So if you haven't watched the finale, huge spoilers. Big things go down here. We're obviously going to talk about the series as a whole, but specifically about this episode. And to that point, here's a broad overview of what happens in the episode. Again, spoiler warning here. Stay away if you have not watched on Disney+. Plus. Watch it first. You can watch it. You can watch it first or watch like 10 minutes and then listen to 10 minutes. That's a nice way to do it, right? No, I don't know if it's going to... Oh, is that bad? I feel like we're going to jump right to the end. We're going to jump all over the fucking (laughs) place. That's pretty fair. Well, because the first 10 minutes is mainly just talking about the Marvel flip. You know what I mean? So... Oh yeah. yeah, so you can. Oh, skip I started that to tell you, podcast. Pete. We we edit that part out just so the, the <laughs> no! listeners to know all of your rants. Yeah, just you, right you've to never the talked about that. Uh, so on the Miss Marvel finale, Kamala is back in Jersey City. She tells her parents and family about her secret identity, though they already know because of the classic uh, Kamala gossip classic. Uh, con uh, gossip train. Speakerphone gets you every time. And in fact, all of her friends now know about her secret identity as they help her try to keep Cameron safe from the Department of Damage Control that comes after him. We get an agent who goes rogue, attacks the high school. They fight back against her. And ultimately, Cameron does escape, thanks to Kamala, who becomes a big hero in front of the entire world, or at least Jersey City. And Which is the world to some there of you us. Go. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And by the end of the episode, she is ready to full-fledged be a hero, thanks to her new name, Miss Marvel, given to her by her dad, her costume given to her by her mom, so the whole family Family. has gotten in on the act. And then, we got two big twists here right at the end that I'm sure we're going to talk about. One, we find out... Shocking. Should we talk about this right now? I feel like well, we should. It, it makes me very mad, and I, I don't want to – I want to talk about the things I like first before I talk about the things that make me mad. Mm, okay. Well, I'll touch on these, and then we'll come back to them later. The okay. first one is it certainly seems to be very strongly implied that Kabbalah is a mutant based on things that happened in the episode. Yep. Heard that. <laughs> oh, Pete, put away that clarinet. We've got a podcast to do. Oh, sorry. Uh, he's a one-man band over there. And then in the mid-credits scene, we see something that may actually be a scene from the Marvels as Carol Danvers and Kamala seem to switch places. Lots of questions. Is what? that what's happening? Wait, that was that scene was I, very confusing. Yeah, it seemed like she turned into a white lady at the end, which really made me <laughs> That's mad. what I thought, too. And I was like, I was like don't bad. turn into a white <laughs> lady. Any you white just lady. That's the, the whole... whitest lady of them all. It was just kind of, why would you... Captain White Lady, we're, technically. We're doing all these amazing things with this amazing character, and then you have her turn into White Lady at the end? What kind of shit well, is that? Well, hold on. I'm going to just, just to make it a little easier so we don't come into this podcast with this much anger right off the bat, I'll throw out what I think is happening in the final scene there, because again, it is not 100% clear, but Kamala is in her room. This is the mid credit scene of the episode. Kamala is in her room. She's lying on her bed. Her mom calls to her, when suddenly she's sucked into her closet, uh, and out comes Brie Larson as Captain Marvel with a new haircut, with a new uniform, looks around and pictures herself and goes, no, 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 and runs out. And that's all we get. Now, yeah. my suspicion of what's that's happening what I was based on too. the... Yeah, no, no, no. She, I, I mean, also, she's, so, she's so white, her name is Brie. Like, that's... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's rhymed of an insult. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay, 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 wow. Well, let's You're get into our high-end cheese work. Uh, <laughs> Before these jokes get moldy, why don't we move on and actually explain the scene? Please stop. 
I agree with you guys. At first, I thought we were actually doing a weird throwback to the very beginnings of Miss Marvel from the comic books, where she uses her shape-changing powers to look like her hero, Captain Marvel, before she realizes she can look like herself and be her own hero. So that felt like a huge step back for me. But based on the way that Brie Larson is playing the scene and looking at those pictures, I think instead what we've had here is some sort of classic Captain Marvel bands situation. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, the... Original Captain Marvel in the comics had these two bands, slammed them together and bangles. turned into bangles. Turn there you go. Turned into Rick Jones or potentially other humans. So they would switch places. It was a very like Captain Marvel Shazam type situation. Oh. Same sort of thing. Same so, name, uh, exactly. Well. <laughs> and that's a whole bag of worms that we don't necessarily want to open up. But I keep my worms in a bag too. Guys, I'm not the only one. <laughs> a duffel bag, right? So you can take the Yeah, places. I have a lot of worms, so I need a I, big bag. I go with a yes. metal can. In any case, I think that's what's happening here, is they're switching places, not actually being replaced. So Kamala has gone somewhere. Our Captain Marvel, Brie Larson, has come out, and they're going to have to figure that, that out and what exactly is going on there when we head into the Marvels, the feature film in 2023. Oh, okay. That's right. I wasn't sure if that was going to be a TV show or a feature film. No, okay. that's the movie coming out next year. It's going to feature Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and also, I don't know, what are we calling her? Photon? Monica Rambeau? Whatever, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So it's going to be three of them. Presumably some other people. We'll see what happens. But um, to that point, given that Captain Marvel seems to be wearing some sort of bands, there's probably more ties, more things going on with these bangles than we not necessarily know right now. It's a classic switcheroo. It just seems like a shitty idea that at the end of an amazing episode to have somebody then turn into a white lady. I just... <laughs> I don't think that was the implication there, though I get why you're upset about it. But I will say, to Pete's point, it was a sort of unexplained moment in a show, and to so, because it sort of rhymes with what was happening at the beginning of the series, where she was like, I want to be her, and then she takes her place. It did feel sort of like, oh, is that purposeful, that mm -hmm. connection? Well, I mean, and that might be the theme or one of the themes that they're playing off of in the Marvels potentially, because I could see them being like, yeah, yeah, this stuff happened in Miss Marvel, but we're going to make it nice and clean and easy as an in for new viewers who haven't necessarily watched the TV series. And so you get Kamala is Miss Marvel. She's been Miss Marvel for, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or something like that. We meet her as a huge fan of Captain Marvel. And she's like, this is the person who inspired me to be a hero. And then, she switches places. So to your point, we do get that thing in the movie, potentially. But what was weird was like, we kind of were just getting to understand this character and really get it. And then to not do such a clean move at the end, it was just kind of like, well, why would you do this to me? Like the fact that she got <laughs> me. It, it's so excited about like, holy shit, I have the same name as Carol Danvers. Like the, the see her geeking out was enough. And to kind of like have her stand in there mm -hmm. was cool. Like maybe show her somewhere else, but have her turn into her at the end there. I, I think it was a classic. I, I didn't have as much of a problem with it as you guys did, I guess. I saw it as just a classic what's happening mid credit scene from Marvel, which honestly we haven't gotten in a while. Like most of the credit, yeah. mid credit scenes have either been jokes or very uh, self-explanatory. When back in the day, it was I like, disagree. think about where they just pulled out that scene with Bucky and Sam and Steve from Civil War. And you're like, I don't know how Bucky's hand got in this vice. I don't know exactly what they're talking about. You're going to find out because this is a scene from Civil War. And then in context, yeah. obviously, it makes sense. 
But yeah. that's a tidy part of the episode. There's a lot more to talk about. Well, that's what sucked is I was like crying. I was emotional. I was having the best time. It was maybe my the favorite best. episode of all time. And then it kind of kicked me in the nuts at the end. And I was just like, that wasn't cool, man. Yeah, uh, that's uh, critically you're talking about the sort of the plot kicked you in the nuts is what you're saying. Well, let's talk about before your nuts got kicked, what else happened in the episode? Pete, overall, I think you've been the biggest fan of this series. How do you feel about how everything wrapped up and what were some of your big moments from the episode? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, as a whole, I really by the the last episode, I was really loving the rhythm of this uh, of this show. I felt like it was such a cool use of family and kind of us being able to dive into this world and kind of like I I was just really impressed and uh, was loving every minute of it. I really feel like I want more. I want more Ms. Marvel. I don't want her to be in movies, whatever. I feel like this little, this TV show in this world that we've created, I don't want to leave it. I was having so much fun. Wow. The Zoe tie-in, like the way things really came together and people were like talking instead of just fighting was, it was really impressive and very smart and well done. Uh, and I really also liked how Arian at the end was like, you're fired. You crazy. What the F are you doing flying off the handle? Uh, so that was great too. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I would, I just was so confused and so upset by the ending. It really undercut, uh, unfortunately, all the things that they had just finished building and was like, well, I wouldn't I look at it that way. Look at it again as a tee up for the Marvels. Don't focus it on too much. Focus on the things you liked and enjoyed. And it seems like you're saying That's make nice. yours so- Miss Marvel. Nice. This is yeah. like Marvel therapy. It's a nice. Little bit. We're all of our podcasts. This is why we podcast so much is just to work Pete through all of this stuff and yeah. get him to it's a better place. Otherwise, otherwise, he might have a Marvel flip out, um, <laughs> which is what we're calling the segment where he does that. Yeah. Justin, uh, what about you? I think you're on the other end of the spectrum here. Yeah, a little bit. I was um, I because I, I, I did like the themes of family. I feel like this is. Yeah. Uh, one of the few shows in general and Marvel shows specifically that the family really gathers together. It's not about our main character being separate from their family. It's about our main character being part of a family and how like, it really is like a family superhero show on both sides. It's four families to watch and it's about a family that loves their superhero child. Um, So I, I did like that. And then we have sort of her friendship family that involved Zoe, a character we haven't seen for um, five episodes, who came hey. out of nowhere literally and joined the team for some reason, which Dude, we don't the know. Lighting. I guess. Could she explained it perfectly? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I definitely buy that. And like she had the real superpower, which is a social media following, which I think is the um, the action that I wanted to see in this show. Um, I was a little disappointed because I felt like this final episode um, sort of eliminated the stakes. Everyone was like playing the damage control sort of came out of nowhere and was like much darker and more like nasty than I expected them to be given the history of damage control in the comics, which is like a goofy organization. And here they're played as like this like dark rogue government organization trying yeah, to like shoot for shoot kids. Yeah. yeah. So that was very dark while at the same time, all the other characters were like uh, playing around and making like foam explode and so i was like this is a weird that was pretty cool it was cool like and all that stuff was cool but it was a weird flip-flop of the stakes where like and when when kamala's brother shows up i'm like what 
You don't. No, no, that was here? a hilarious line. Superheroes don't need chaperones. Take up with your mom. That was great. That was awesome. There was some stuff. But I just think from an overall story, I was like, why is all this stuff happening? They're like having a playground day when there's people who then shoot them when they walk out of the school. It was very crazy. And then it was like they were setting up Cameron to be this sort of villain. But then she lets him go. And then he just goes into the night. It just felt like a little all over the place for me. And I was just a little disappointed by the way it turned out. But like I said, there are there's a lot of fun stuff. I really like the character. I really like some great imagery here it's just there was so much fun happening the first two episodes of the series and we lost a little bit of that by the end i thought hard disagree i thought the uh, the last episode it was chock full of fun and also some really emotional uh moments that i think really paid off nicely what i'm worried about is this goddamn love triangle because the bruno cameron of it all and then the dagger kid i mean there's a lot going on um, and uh, is there any way we could get like a third take on this show or like a third opinion to sort of like <laughs> really come in and uh, choose a side or mm-hmm. offer a third path, perhaps? I, something potentially, to- I, I could throw something out there. I, I do think I understand a lot of what you're saying, Justin. I do disagree on the damage control of it all because I understand that you really hooked into the comic book version of them, but I do think they layered in there for the very first episode, like. The end of the first episode is Damage Girl being like, let's go get her. So they set that up, and then they're paying off on that. The problem is, in the middle of that, you had world-ending stakes. And I think that's what you're responding to with Najma and the clandestine, that they were going to end the entire world. I don't know where we left off on that. There was an indication Uh, that maybe that power is in Cameron. And he can break open the veil, but we don't yeah. really get an explanation there in terms you, of what he's doing or how he's doing yeah. it. The other thing that I'll throw out there that I think you're responding to, Justin, in terms of the camera out of it all, that kept throwing me back and forth was like, most of the stuff he was doing was not that much more extreme than what Kabbalah was doing. And then every once in yeah. a while, they'd throw in a thing where he's like, and was pushing very hard. And that was supposed to be our indication of like, oh, no, he's going too bad. He's going yeah, bad. He's, he's taking it too far. Um, but it, it it wasn't clean. Like, it wasn't clean, particularly after we got to the point where the world is about to end because we're going to bring in another dimension one episode prior. All right. All right. We first saw, as far as not com- clean, the, the you can hear the mom calling for Cameron from the other side of the veil or whatever. So it she seems- got rocked and boned. Yeah, and so it seemed. Thank you for bringing that back. So it seems like maybe it's just what it's called. Uh, Cameron is the key to kind of like uh, the veil here, mm-hmm. and so when he got kind of like super powered up, uh, that almost was like the transformation. Uh, and so that's why I was really happy that she kind of like calmed him down, which you know, as a lot of people need, they just need to talk it out a little bit and calm down. That's but true. I think you want a Marvel flip out. But I before also, you move on from that, let me say, uh, just is he the key? Is he because we don't ever get an explanation of like she said, sends him her power. Is he can he open the veil? Why does why is his power? Why are his powers just like Kamala's without explanation when that wasn't how the rest of the powers work? It just felt sort of like. There's stuff happening, and we don't get to know why or to what end. We just sort of sit and watch it. But I also like that as part of when kids are in charge, and when you know it's you know it's they're 
they're not making the best decisions. You know what I mean? Like you've got to fail, you've got to figure things out. So I do appreciate the fact that it's not all clean and perfect right now. It's a little messy mm. as they're trying to figure out who's on whose side. And if they touch hands, the glow is kind of cool, but don't kiss cool. in front of Bruno. I mean, that's fucking heartbreaking. I, I do want to mention not to uh, sideswipe here, but Pete, thank you for continuing the whisper campaign for my new reality show, kids in charge, where it kind of flips the family upside down and oh. the kids are in charge and the adults are the really... kids. Uh, they have dessert for dinner the first couple of nights, but then they learn responsibility and some important lessons and really, uh, um, you know, come to an understanding as a family. It's pretty cool. Wow, that's really smart. I wish someone had thought to put kids in charge um, for before. I like that's such a uh, fresh take. Thank you so much. The actual thing that I wanted to say, though, is I I'll understand what you're saying here, Pete, but one of the things that frustrates me to no end, which is such a TV movie writing thing, is like, like we were saying, they have plenty of time to have a conversation about stuff. In fact, there's plenty of time for Kamala to be like, for Cameron at any point to be like, how did I get these powers? And nobody asks that question at any point. Nobody discusses it. Not even Bruno, who like is the guy who does that sort of thing. And the very easy answer is Kamala being like, listen, I'm sorry your mom died to save your life. She died a hero. And then I understand that. She did say that. Eventually, like yeah. towards the end of the episode. But my point is, even before Bruno was like, whatever you do, don't say this thing to him. That is a key piece of information that actually could avert a lot of everything that's going to happen here. It's but you there's understand plenty of opportunity. There's plenty of opportunity for Kamala to tell him exactly what happened, to ask where his mom is. How did I get these powers? Obviously, there's no episode if any of that happens, but it's frustrating to me whenever that happens in a show. It's the same thing like in a TV show or movie where they're like, there's no time to explain. I'll explain on the way. And then they cut to them getting there and they're like, okay, here's what the deal is. And I'm like, you had a two-hour drive. You t- talk about it at some point between right. them. Come well, on. Justin, come on. Hashtag show up. the drives is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Real but time, as, baby. as a line producer, you have to think about mm. what's great television. You know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, you know, like uh, a road trip thing seems like a great idea where people are having fun traveling around. But the thing is, it's like, is just two people talking it out good television no we want to see action they got to kind of talk as they're kind of fighting so yeah that's you know real life versus television we want some more there we want it a little bit more layered i think yes we want action in a show but i think what alex is responding to maybe is that when you are taken out of the action because you're like why is that character doing that weird thing that character is smart and i like them and they're doing something that uh, it is sort of like not smart or it, there's an easy or easier solution than what they're doing. It takes you out of the story. And I just felt like there were like Alex saying, there were a lot of stopping points in this. Like you were saying about uh, Cameron, like, is he, is he evil? Is he out of control? They sort of wobbled between the two. And so then at the end, it's like neither satisfying because he just walks into the red dagger and they're buddies now, I guess. But I I like that about the characters is that they don't always say the right things. And, you know, they are trying to figure it out and are messing up along the way that make, you know, I don't like it when a show is too clean or too perfect because it doesn't feel like reality. Uh, I I hear that. But I think from a story perspective, the show's not telling us what this character is. Like, I could see messing up, but I want him to be able to mess up, but the show to be like, and here's here's what he's doing 
what he should be doing or like here's we're showing him messing up because that's his character rather than what I felt like what happened. It was like, what's he doing? Where's he going? Why is he? He lives with this red dagger who has been killing, trying to kill his family for so long. Well, Are they just going to talk like we'll see how that goes. But it's, it's a very volatile situation. It's a love pyramid. Why don't we talk about some of the other characters and where they end up here, as well as some of the other moments uh, before we get to in the weeds or back right, and well, forth in this discussion. Uh, yes, very, go ahead, Pete. Let me just say, I mean, a sweet Marvel flip in this episode. I mean, come on, with the music and everything. So yeah, so just and just for the, just make yeah, a note to the editor that this is where we'll cut <laughs> um, out and then come back in uh, 20 minutes. How much time do you need for this one? <laughs> done. Just want to say you're done. Oh, you're done. Okay. I just want right, to say we're sweet. Uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I did love all the scenes with Kamala's family throughout this entire series, yes. in particular in this episode. I thought they were very sweet and nice. I was very surprised that the mom was the one to give her the costume. I thought it was going to be yeah. Bruno, but I thought that tied really nicely into the Hulk costume moment from the first episode. So I thought that was a really good yeah. payoff there. I agree. That uh, was cool. I also, um, I also really loved every mosque scene that we got. I thought, I mean, showing the IDs and like him quoting uh, Lincoln was hysterical. They're just uh, really, really fun, uh, cool choices that were happening. The kind of boyfriend reveal and like, hey, you, you know, you witnessed it. Uh, that was just, uh, I thought, really, really well done and, and very cool. And touching on like some larger like the the line you can't hide here. This is a mosque in America. Like yeah. I thought that like I like those moves, and I feel like the show has done a good job of uh, portraying uh, those situations and what it's like for real people, where it's not where they're just real people in these situations. I think that's yeah. really cool. But it did feel wild to have like the boyfriend dro- joke right on top of all of the um, uh, the people in the mosque holding up their IDs because they're terrified for their lives. Yeah. I was like, how are we vacillating <laughs> tonally from this tr- triggering, scary thing to like jokes, jokes, jokes? Um, it was it was sort of wild. But maybe I mean, that's the point. Smart. Maybe that's, that's what it's point. like. Yeah, yeah, they're like, hey, we're yeah, going to hit you I, with I, some s- serious stuff. But we're going to kind of pepper some jokes around so it's a little easier to take. I mean, I think that's part of it. The other thing that I'd throw out there, and I know I couch every episode of this, but obviously we are not Pakistani, so it's hard to talk about. And we're not Muslim American, so again, hard to talk about. But it does seem like the sort of thing, the way that it was played, is like, this is part of life. Homeland Security slash damage control is just going to come in here. So we're just going to be ready. We're going to roll with it. It's going to happen. This is how they're dealing with us. It sucks. It's terrible. It's an awful part of America, but it's also a part of life in America the way that it is. So maybe that's what they were getting at there is just depicting that. And maybe yeah, maybe that sort of makes it clear what the what damage control is like a homeland security organization that is like super um, uh, bureaucratic and like messy and that's why they go rogue and they have all these like super high powered weapons but are <laughs> very bad at being soldiers as we see they just get they shoot each other they get ruined by softballs all that so maybe that's a good comparison and sort of gives damage control this spot as a scary but also poorly managed organization in the Marvel universe. Also, I'll just throw out there the disguises the boss gave them. Very funny. Just yeah. the hats, the, the yeah, Halal and Haram hats. 
Yeah. <laughs> Good disguises. It led to a fun moment with the costume reveal of Kamala, where she jumps down and says, what are you wearing? And they're like, what are you wearing? <laughs> yeah, very well. It was fun. It was well delivered. I, I love that. Uh, I wanted to, before we get to the big thing, we should still talk about, you know, mutants and stuff. Uh, I wanted to throw out to you, did you guys get any sense that maybe Zoe is gay or bisexual in this episode? Because I thought there was like, they very underplayed it, but there was that moment of the first episode where she was complimenting Kamala on her look. And then the way the actress playing Zoe delivered the line to Nakia about like, I would never reveal somebody's secret before they were ready to. Yeah. Seem yeah. seemed like they were edging towards that without outright staying it. Uh, I think it very just, well could be, but also just you know, as someone who is maybe has friends or is knows you know uh, that it is an issue, is just boarding it uh, you know properly. Mm-hmm. And but I was also I didn't know if it was as explicit as that or if it was like just being like a a friend out of nowhere. That's, I think the Zoe characters truly came out of nowhere and was intriguing to have there. But I think there are these uh, open unanswered questions about her. Yeah. It also did do a good job. uh, Like we were talking about earlier though, of setting up the brother coming out of nowhere as well. Love the brother. Very He used to go to school there so he can just pop up out of nowhere. It's great. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's the, that's the fun thing about high school. I end up wandering on my high school randomly a lot, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about the mutant thing, just in case this moment flew under the radar for you. At the very end of the episode, two weeks later, Bruno, before he leaves to Caltech, tells Kamala that as one does, he was running her genetic makeup and found something interesting in there. First of all, her brother doesn't have the same gin genes as she does, but he also noticed a mutation on her genes, possibly the one that allows her to actually use the powers properly versus what was going on with Cameron, where the powers were a little out of control and they seemed to be hurting him. He, she was able to channel the bangles that way, the bangle, excuse me, and the power of it, and it was coming from her. Uh, and then, as Pete has been indicating, we get a little sting of the X-Men 97 theme, uh, and then Kamala says, eh, it's just another label, who cares? Meanwhile, the rest of the internet cares, from yep. being super excited because they've been waiting for some mention of mutants in the Marvel Universe to apparently there's a lot of huge and human fans who are very upset that they've took, taken that part of her origin away. Wait, um, seriously, there's inhuman fans? Uh, wow, apparently, burn, burn, burn. Uh, hey, I'm sorry if I just No, legitimately, no, I, like, I saw tweets like this where people are like, how dare they remove her inhuman heritage? And I'm like, dude, if I asked yeah. you yesterday... <laughs> About it, about that. yeah, yeah. You would not be able to name a single thing. But well, and while we're so, first off, you explaining how this potential mutation helps her makes her powers work—that's confusing. That's wildly confusing. So you're yeah. saying the mutation helps her channel the energy that comes from the bangle better than Cameron's lack of bangle or mutation to channel <laughs> the energy that comes from through the veil from Noor. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, that's I think, crazy. I think this is – it is crazy. It is – it feels like a hat on a hat here because – Oh, it's a hat on a hat. Hats and hats and hats. It's like make way yeah. for caps. You know what I'm talking about? Caps yeah. for sale for, is what you're thinking Caps for sale. That's what I'm talking about. 
Stay yeah, away that, you monkeys. You know what I'm talking stay about. Stay away you monkeys. No, Stop stealing those caps, monkeys. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But it is. We've already gone through this whole thing of like, surprise, you're not this thing. You're actually a djinn. And to be like, surprise, you're not just a djinn, which was already controversial. You're, you're a also a mutant. Uh, and in fact, the first mutant, ignoring the Professor Xavier cabio in Multiverse of Madness, which I don't think exactly counts. This is yeah, like no. the first introduced mutant in the main MCU continuity. It's a weird twist right at the end there. Okay, it's just... And it's the, it, Wait, it's one of the few things in the Marvel Comics universe that she is not. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like so far away from. Uh, you could well, have made a case. Uh, well, hold on. I will throw out there that like frequent comic book readers will know this, but there, when X Men was owned by Fox and the rest of Marvel was in the MCU, you, you're nodding your head no, but this is absolutely because true. you're about to explain something wildly yeah. complicated again. <laughs> I'll do it as simple as possible. Basically, Marvel Comics was like, well, since we don't want to support the X-Men, we're going to push the Inhumans to the forefront. we got this big TV show coming. They're a big deal. Everybody's Inhumans now. That's where the powers come from. Kamal is an Inhuman. Let's go. All these other characters are Inhuman. They have these secret genes. And then the TV show flopped, and people were kind of annoyed about pushing Inhumans over the X-Men of the comic books. And now it's all under one roof with Disney. It doesn't matter anyway. So it does feel like, actually, in a weird way, a little bit of a nod to her comic book origins, even if it because is... of the corporate shenanigans around them, <laughs> that's what she sort of said. He brutally said, "Like fan, I detected I something. That. I detected something in your jeans. It's corporate shenanigans." Oh. <laughs> I've got shenanigans. a bunch of that going on too. I have microplastics and corporate shenanigans. What's your take on this? What's your reaction? Well, I would wanted to say a joke that, oh, that you did a while back that I was trying to squeeze in there. That uh, I was hoping in post every time someone said mutant, we could do the little. A uh, little, mm. you know, little, little color. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah. We don't actually do anything in post. I know we were talking about that before. But. Well, you know, it, there's a first time for everything. Yeah, I'm not going to do that work. Uh, what? Because uh, <laughs> it's mean, weird we to hear that. somebody say Marvel Vision. Not have it. We do the work. <laughs> not. Yeah, we do not do the work. We do the work. Do not do it. With the work. Uh, yeah, I mean, like we've been talking about, I think it's unnecessary. It's finally giving like a little bit of a nod, I guess, to fans who have been asking for this in every single Disney Plus show. It's just, it feels like a swerve that comes out of nowhere. And I don't well, and know it feels what's like, setting up beyond that. Are they, is this the first true introduction of mutants in the MCU? I don't think so. This feels like a very strange place to put it. And I also think she could be an inhuman. She could be um, Cree. She could be an Eternal. There's a lot of options here that tie more, more directly into stuff happening in the MCU already. To then swerve her and throw the term mutant out there, I feel like they'll end up backpedaling from it and she's going to end up being uh, one of those things. I, I think more than that, it doesn't really matter. Like, I think they were throwing it in there as a little Easter egg to fans. And like she says, like, ah, eh, who cares? So... I kind of hope they don't explore it anymore. I don't want to see it in the Marvels. I do think yeah. there is a slight possibility, and this is getting into potential spoilers, but I think these rumors are very much out there. There's been a lot of talk about how Namor the Submariner is going to be the villain in Black Panther 2, uh, and that we're going to meet him. He is a mutant in the comic book. So it might be sort of thing to just like get the idea of mutations out there 
into the MC universe and then they get into Namor being you know, a mutant or like the first mutant. <laughs> That's crazy to be know. like Namor, not a mutant. Anybody wants to see. No one's like, let me, my favorite X-Man, mutant, Namor. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things though. I don't know. I mean, it's, someone it's likes Cypher. If somebody's a fan of Cypher, there's going to be a Namor. Uh, well, fan this is what it's all building towards. Like a lot of people have been asking, where is the MCU going? What is it building towards? We don't have the same direction in phase one through three as we do in phase four. This is where it starts, people. We get this mention of mutations with Kamala Khan. Then we meet the first mutant, Namor the Submariner, in Black Panther 2. And it all leads up to Cypher Reckoning, the big event coming in 2027. Yeah. Wow. Put away Put away your dictionaries. <laughs> Cypher's coming. Cypherizing. Right. I one other one last yeah. thing. I thought it was very funny that you referred to her the mutation comment as an Easter egg, because I don't know if how used to how people celebrate Easter out there, but it's rarely when an Easter egg is thrown into your face. Lots of Easter <laughs> eggs are hidden. You have to go find them. You have to look uh, for where, them. Then you pick up, you pick up an egg and it explodes with chocolate and Cadbury goo in the middle. Oh, that yeah. sounds fun though. Uh, here's a little bit of an Easter egg. Did you guys notice that she was in her classic Miss Marvel costume in this episode? Uh, really cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I didn't. I couldn't believe it. And we, got believe the, it we got the shot of her on the lamppost, just like we out of did. the comic. That was great. Yes. Uh, but I want to say, though, circling back to the, the family, uh, I really love the mom and dad in this show and the dad, especially like. It, you know, his kind of awe of his daughter on the roof was just so emotional, so moving. The whole kind of him saying Miss Marvel was so great. Uh, just I really love the the how they're kind of dealing with the parents and stuff like that in the show. And uh, I, I really think it's a backbone. I mean, that Hulk thing is still such a uh, a great moment. So I, I, I really am impressed with how they're kind of doing that. All right. Well, there we go. Before we wrap up here, we've certainly talked a lot about future stuff, but why don't we go to our vision board and talk about what we want to see from Miss Marvel next? Obviously we know she's going to show up in the Marvels, but what are you looking forward to from whatever her next appearance is? Well, um, I mean, I guess, I, I I want more of the family being the core and being super supportive of her. So a continuation of that. But in general, I guess a little bit more um, of of the what we saw in the first two episodes, that sort of wildly creative vision for the show um, and seeing her sort of worldview, uh, like all the 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 way the production showed us sort of how she sees the world I thought was fun and more Jersey City the Jersey City of it all I think is a cool world to have to really lock down on those things her being a little clumsy messing up all the time that's where I think the fun for the character is uh I yeah I just want to get a little bit more of her uh not only training with her powers but kind of like uh, uh, uh being able to you know, like this, she really stepped up and was kind of like, we really got to see a lot of her powers and what, what's possible. And I just want to kind of see her kind of like uh, uh, playing with that and enjoying it a little bit because, uh, you know, unfortunately in this, she was just kind of using it for what she had to do. So it'd be nice to see her kind of like having some fun with it because when she's having fun, I'm having fun. Well, I will say we didn't mention this during the podcast proper, but she did say in Biggin in the yeah. climactic action sequence, which is very fun. And then her arms and legs 
grew bigger. I actually couldn't tell with the CGI. It was a little weird because I don't like yeah, the energy kinda, was stretching around yeah. her, but she didn't physically get it. No, no, but right? her, no. yeah, the kind of okay. glowing thing made her kind of like bigger and kind of grew her. But yeah. The, I, so that was very fun. I think something that I would love to see in the Marvels and beyond, and I'm sure they'll do this, is just more uses for her power. Now that we've seen her like jump on platforms a bunch and do the embiggening thing, all of those are very fun. What creative, interesting stuff can they do with this energy constructs? Because as we know from Green Lantern, as we know from other characters, it's kind of limitless what they can do. So I want to see them really stretch their imagination and do something creative visually. Because uh, it's exhausting. She has to run everywhere. Mm-hmm. I just wanted Which to check in with you guys about like who you're shipping here. Because am I the only mm-hmm. one that's like feel heartbroken that Bruno is like going off to school and kind of leaving the band here? I was pulling for Bruno, and it was just like I don't know. It seems like that's over because he's going to college. Yeah, it feels like I don't know. I guess if I had to choose, I'm a Miss Dagger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, I was going to say Team Red Dagger here. I feel like they have absolutely the best chemistry, even 100%. with the Cameron kiss that almost happened in this episode. And Bruno will be mad. back if there is a second season of Miss Marvel, which I think there might be. Like, almost yeah. of all of the shows that we've watched so far, it feels most likely that they'll have a Miss Marvel season two. This feels the most like a show, it. like a, exactly. a refillable show that they could just keep doing stuff. And honestly, I would appreciate the show more if it was more of a standalone episode thing rather than like what we saw here, which was more of the standard Marvel like movie broken up formula. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that. And I, I've been kind of surprised by that feeling because I'm all for shorter runs on TV shows. But this is something that I think like, Bring it back for 13 episodes for season two, you know, just like really explore it, explore the characters, dig into it, have an episode that's just like, I don't know, a bottle episode that maybe doesn't standalone apps. Exactly. Would love it. Or maybe like 24 episodes. Maybe a thousand episodes. Maybe never stop producing episodes. Just live it. Live the dream. Turn the cameras on. Documentary. Let's do it. Absolutely. Kids, Kids in charge. Baby, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you, you guys know this that your kids what? run your lives. Don't act like it's not like that. Dessert oh, here we go. The non-parent has checked in with some takes. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pond on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Um, obviously, there's a couple of weeks here to go until the next say, one. The show's, show's over now. <laughs> yeah, show's over. I mean, obviously, we'll be back for She-Hulk when that premieres in yeah. August. Maybe between then and that, now and then, we'll uh, check in with some of the other Marvel movies like we've yeah. been doing. But whatever happens next, stay marvelous. Ah, oh, beautiful. Beautiful.